Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Calls. I am your host, Jake McAtee, and this week I had the pleasure of sitting with Aaron Snell, who is the music and choir teacher at Logos. You may recognize Aaron if you've been at a Fight Life Feast conference. He is there leading and teaching in terms of singing the Psalms and doing worship at those conferences. One Canon Press book that can be found on Canon Plus that came to mind as we talked was Douglas Wilson's A Primer on Worship and Reformation. A Primer on Worship and Reformation proposes that true change begins not with a process or an idea, but through faithful worship. To witness true global change, true reformation, we must first pray to the Lord that we would see worship at the center of life. The truth is that when the word is faithfully preached, even the gates of hell tremble. When the psalms are sung, the meek inherit the earth. When the church celebrates at the Lord's table, those who mourn are comforted. Get Douglas Wilson's A Primer on Worship and Reformation at mycanonplus.com today. Now, without further ado, meet Aaron Snell. Now welcoming on special guest, Aaron Snell. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Do you mind just introducing yourself, telling us telling us what you do, what you're about? Sure. I am the music teacher and choir director at Logos School here in Moscow. Um, I've been here, this is my fourth year uh, at Logos. Prior to coming to Logos, uh, I spent 15 years in the public schools in California uh, teaching uh, high school choir. Okay. And uh, so this next year will be my 20th year of teaching. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, like I just mentioned to you, I want to name this episode Why Jake Can't Sing. I don't believe that. <laughs> I see. I feel like that's what all you guys do. That's what all you guys are up to. Uh, so I uh, am someone who, when I came to Moscow in 2016 and I attended a church service, I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not doing what they're doing. They're all singing and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing really, but, or what I've been doing this whole time. Um, and so I thought it would be great. I imagine as Canon grows and Christchurch's influence grows and things like cross politics, all these different media things are getting into all different spaces. We're no longer sort of in our own cul-de-sac any longer. Right. It feels like, um, and I thought you would be great because also one of the things that I've noticed is that you've taken up, uh, doing, uh, sort of the worship portions at Philaf Feasts. And a lot of that seems to be a very kind way of like teaching folks how to do psalms or or whatever it is. So I thought I'd love to have you on. So thanks for giving us your time, sir. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And yeah, uh, that that kind of steep on-ramp that you felt. Yeah. Um, even I, <laughs> okay, who good. has musical training and taught, you know, 15th century, 16th century choral music for my for my career okay. to high schoolers, still had that sensation okay. when I, my first few times at Christ Church. And, okay. and so um, it really is countercultural. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something different and something unique. Um, but it, uh, and, and what uh, takes a while sometimes is to, is to see the reason why. Right. Uh, why are you singing music that they sang in the 1500s? Right. The way they sang the it. The way guess, they right? sang it. Why are why are why are we having to work so hard to um to do something that in most churches is 
almost like a spectator sport. Right. Or it's something that you're along for the ride, yeah. right? You, the, you've got the musicians up front that are in the band or whatever, and they're playing, they're playing the, the music and that's pumping out at loud decibels out yep. of the sound system at the congregation. Who's in the dark, most Who's likely. Who's in the dark, most likely. Um, and we won't even go to the light show or the fog <laughs> right. machine. But I mean, right. I mean, you know, that I would say that would be like the standard template that you would encounter in most evangelical yeah. churches yeah. Um, where you don't hear, you might hear the person sitting next to you or standing next to you, but maybe not. Right. Um, you, can, you can't really hear yourself very well. And it's not really necessary, actually, because all the sound, all, all the work is being done up front. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so to come not only, not only stylistically different, but even that, that whole approach where you, you're, not, you're not along for the ride, you're the one doing the work. And then it's like... It's not easy folk song type things Correct. that just sort of naturally you can sing along with. It's right. stuff you have to really work to learn and to sing well. What's going on with that, right? Um, and we, we, we have this, like you mentioned, Fight, Laugh, Feast. We, yeah. we, that's sort of a um, you know, microcosm of it too because we, we take this sort of way of singing psalms and hymns um, robustly and and where where there's at Fight Laugh Feast conference we don't have a you go to most conferences like that and there's a worship team sure. there's a you know there's the it's the whole the whole show is up there and there it's just me like I'm the only thing up there on the stage and I'm just singing and all the all the music is actually happening in by the conference attendees or yeah. um you know it's or at the church it's the congregation that yeah. is singing and um and that really is one of the cornerstone pieces of, of the why. Uh, it's, it's, it's a recovery. If, if what we're about at Christ Church is, is reformation, um, one of the key, key cornerstones um, in the reformation, uh, as far as l- uh, liturgical reformation, what, what, what the church did on, on a Lord's Day, yep. right? Uh, one of the key things was a great, was a recovery of congregational singing that had been lost through the Middle Ages. Yep. Um, you know, you know, the early church sang hymns together. It was, you know, uh, even go back to, you know, Jesus in the in the uh, upper room, the Last Supper, before they left for the Garden of Gethsemane. He sang. They sang a hymn together, um, as as they would do in a Passover service. And this so this this congregational singing traces back into the Old Testament. It was it was the the way the early church sang, um, and and then through the Middle Ages, um, development in church music got to the point where um, the 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 complexity of the music became so. Uh, it, it was such a, that the, lo- the 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 average congregant could not sing it, um, <laughs> okay. and 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 it, it coincided with with the sort of, um, you know, the, there was something that the priest was doing up front yep. that it was all that all the business was up there with him and what he was doing, and everybody else was along for the ride, and that that was that was probably the Latin text too that most of the congregation didn't understand. Yeah, at some point that that did happen. Although in the Middle Ages, most people going would would be able to to follow along with that. But 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 really, there was this the the, the priest was the one going before God. The priest was the one, um, you know, uh, officiating the mass, and and the music sort of went along. There was a, there were professional 
church choirs. They, they, the, they were the ones who did the singing, and the congregation was sort of along for the ride. Got it. In the Reformation, the Reformers recovered congregational singing, and they recovered uh, singing in, uh, in, in parts, uh, uh, or singing, singing in singable parts, I should say. Uh, there were parts in the other music, but it got to the point where like you would have, uh, you would have a, uh, you know, a singer singing in Latin and another one singing in French and another one, and, and they'd be different texts, different languages, all happening sort of at the same time. The, um, congregation didn't know what was going on, right? It was just very removed. And so the reformer said, no, no, the, the, the church gathered is, is, uh, is they're the saints of God and we are priests, the uh, priests of all, all believers. And so we are going before God in, in worship and offering um, a sacrifice of praise together. And so we all need to sing. And, um, and so they would write things called chorales, uh, which was sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses, four parts, different ranges. But in those ranges, uh, you had represented everybody in the congregation. So there was a part for your voice, for your range of voice, um, for the for the young children and the women and the and the old men and the, wherever your voice was, whatever range you you naturally sang, and there was a part for you to sing that that would harmoniously. It was a picture of of the body of Christ. Yep. Different things going on, but working harmoniously together to create something greater than the sum of its parts, right? Yep. And so um, so there was this recovery of, of congregational singing. And if you, if, um, if while I was describing, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that that came out of a context of there were people doing the music that was disconnected from the congregation, if that sounded like what I actually started with in this conversation, which was describing the modern yep. evangelical world, that was... I did that intentionally <laughs> because that, that I think there is a strong parallel there, there between what, uh, what the reformers pushed back against and recovered and what we need to recover in our day and age. And so, so, so one of those fundamental underlying why, why is this weird? Why, why are right. we doing this is, uh, is for that reason. Um, there, there is uh, congregational singing where the, where the, you can hear your neighbors to the right and to the left and front and back raising their voices with you. Yep. Um, does something to the congregation that the other thing doesn't do. Right. Um, uh, it, it bolsters, it strengthens, it, it helps you to stand firm, and it encourages you to sing out um, in a way that if you, it doesn't matter if you sing or not. Yep. Never does, right? If, 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 it, if you can <clears throat> sing to, at the top of your lungs or you could not sing at all and stick your hands in your pockets and it wouldn't make a difference. Yep. That is telling you something about your place in the body without it's teaching you something. Right. Uh, the music we sing and the way we sing it is all teaching us things about who we are, who God is all the time, even if we don't recognize it. And so it's teaching us that you don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter and you don't need to work to grow in this area. <laughs> um, so, so we, yeah. and here's, here's another underpinning why. Uh, we are used to in in Bible believing, take the Bible seriously, sort of evangelical churches. Um, we are used to doing work when it comes to attending to the Word. Uh, we we come with our Bibles. Yeah, right? we we're not just sitting there doodling, 
right? We're, we're listening, we're attending, we're, we're reading along, we're taking notes. We come with an expectation that when the word is preached, we are, we are going to do work. Uh, and we're, we're, we're not just sort of sit, going to sit there passively and let it wash over us and maybe some of it'll stick, right? We're, 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 we're doing work. Um, but then we have this weird sort of dichotomy where we, where we expect then the music is something that should just sort of pull me along with it. And I yeah. can just, it's that lazy, gravity take lazy over. river. Yeah. I can just float yeah. down and, and it's no big deal. Um, and, and that's a disconnect. I think we're, we're approaching one rightly. We're approaching yeah. the word rightly when we do take it seriously and expect I am a student. I am a disciple. And that means I'm a student. That means I, I am to, I'm to study this and I, and I'm, and this is being preached to me. So I have, I have work to do here, yep. right. Uh, to attend to it. And even if you're not, you still have that category, right? right. Where you're like, I am at least failing. Right. I right. Know <laughs> I'm failing right. not to do those you things. You might have spaced out yes. and then you know it's wrong, right? right. Cause you know, you should be. Um, uh, but the, the, the music, uh, it, it really should be on the same, on the same level playing field there. Um, because that, that is approaching God as worshipers. And like I said, it actually is teaching us too. Uh, scripture says we are to teach and admonish one another with songs and hymns and, you know, yep. psalms and hymns yep. and spiritual songs. Um, so when we often, in modern evangelicalism, um, is permeated with individualistic uh, assumptions, yep. right? And so, uh, so w- w- we think God is dealing with just me and him, just me and him in the sermon and in the worship. It's just me and him, and it's this personal, yep. uh, you know, emotive that too, right? moment. Right, right. You, you you lose sense of the of the people around you, and it's just sort of you and God. Um, and it's not that there shouldn't be a you and God in your life, right? Yep. That God deals with us individually, but in the church gathered, in the corporate worship of the church, we are a body. Yep. And that's the I saying, I have no need of you knows, right? Uh, that's the, so, so there, there, we've lost sight of the fact that there's a corporate reality going on in our worship. And, and so, um, so to, 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 you know, dim the lights and, and, um, and sort of just have it you and God, this emotive moment that you are, you're expressing to whatever is losing sight of, of what's actually going on. We are being ushered into the presence corporately. We are all coming in together as a host. And so, um, so, so when you take those, you know, uh, the, the congregation is to be singing. It, It is, it is the congregation's work to do. Um, we are to be doing it together and, and collectively as a body. Um, we are to be doing it um, to teach and admonish one another. Um, that w- as much as we are talking to God, we're also talking, you know, um, vertically. Yep. We're also speaking horizontally to one another in, in those times. And, um, and when you take all that together, you see, you see that in many ways, uh, what we have adopted in, in modern evang- evangelicalism in our worship music is not a fit. Like the 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 the, the forms don't match. Um, the function you know, it's it's, yep. it, it's it's the wrong puzzle piece, and you know it doesn't it doesn't fit. And so, why you know why are we going back to we sing music out of our our psalter, our hymnal um, that is five hundred six hundred years old? Um, 
And uh, we, you know, I, I remember uh, my previous experience before coming to Christ Church. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a classically trained choral musician. Uh, I teach old music as my day job. Yeah. But in church, I had all, I, you know, I've been the guy with the guitar yeah. in the band. <laughs> yeah. Up front leading in, in that, right? Yeah. And there was, a, I had a disconnect in my life between that and, and church, my, my professional job and my, and, and church life. And, um, and in my tr- previous church experience, really old hymns were like from the 1800s, right? Yep. Holy, 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 immortal, invisible. Yep. Those, oh, those are the old hymns. We need to recover those old hymns. Sure. And then I came to Christ Church and it's like, <laughs> let's try some Geneva and Psalter yeah. stuff, right? And, um. And so, so, you know, the, why are we, why are we, okay, I get the idea of congregational singing. I get the idea, okay, hymn singing in four parts. So everybody plays a part. It's a picture of the body. Okay. But why are we going back to, you know, why are we going so far back into, into those things where, where the, 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 the musical idioms are so foreign to us, right? Um, the, 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 the types of, the types of melody and the types of rhythms and things like that don't feel natural to us in yep. our day and age. Right. Um, and it's true. They don't, um, conversely, if you were to write, write out a modern contemporary pop style yep. worship song in sheet music, it would look incredibly difficult to sing. <laughs> um, if I, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if it, how familiar you are, you've ever seen sheet music, but if you, if you go to a music store and you pick up pop tunes or rock tunes that have been actually written out on sheet music, they look, I mean, there's black notes and crazy really? stuff all over the place because, because the rhythms we sing are actually quite complicated. We just don't feel it because we're so used to it. Okay. Right. And, um, and the rhythms that, and, and sort of like, uh, musical figures that you see in our, in our music at Christ Church regularly when we're singing, when we're singing those older ones, those were the easy, no problem. Sure. I hear this all the time, sort of things of their day. Right. Okay. And so, uh, so it's not that our music is easier. Interesting. You know, of today is necessarily easier and theirs was just more complicated. Um, but they're, they're, they're both, it's just a matter of, of what we're used to. Sure. Right. And so, the, so then the question is, well, okay, then why are we going back to that then? Uh, couldn't we do some, is him singing that is easier for us today. Yep. Um, but there, there are some, there are some things going on in that music that um, they were thinking about in a way that we don't think about. They were thinking about how they composed the music. They were thinking about how, what it reflected in its, in the way they wrote the music at a level that we don't generally speaking today in our um, popular music or contemporary music. And, um, and so part of going back to, to, the Genevan Psalter from the 1500s, right, is um, is a recovery of of composers who were writing music for congregational singing for the church, who were thinking about what they were doing theologically. They were thinking theologically about the notes they were writing 
and the rhythms they were doing. And, um, and a lot of that is, is, that's a deep dive, right? If you really want to go into what's going on there, you, that would be a deep dive and, and a, a level most people in the church, you know, wouldn't necessarily go to first thing. You, you could talk through it. But all of those things are actually, they are effective even if you don't know what they're doing. Um, movies we watch affect us and they shape our view of reality without us being aware yeah. that they are doing so. Um, that, you know, uh, that sort of medium is, a, is pop culture's greatest tool in shaping culture. Sure. Because, because it is ingested without any thought. It's just entertainment, but it's shaping you. Music actually does the same thing. Music is going to shape you. Whether you're aware of what it's doing and, and how it's doing it or not, it's still going to have an effect on you. And so something interesting I noticed, and, and like I said, it was, it was an adjustment for me too, doing this kind of music in a church setting, uh, feeling like this is just so culturally divorced from the 21st century. Yep. Uh, why are we reaching back? Why, why are we you know, contorting ourselves to try to fit this old mold that, uh, that is so different from what we're used to. Not super seeker sensitive. No, it's, it's, yeah. if anything, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it takes commitment. It takes yeah. like trust and I don't understand what's going on here, but, um, but what I, what I came to see is, um, is the effect that it had on me in worship and and what I and what I saw the fruit of it in the in the life of the body in worship, um, there was a robustness to the worship that was then able to stand in the public square, in a way that the music I had previously had experienced within my church music life could not do. Hmm. Um, it was um, like the juxtaposition was stark to yeah. me. Uh, when we had a psalm sing here in town and um, uh, there were arrests at that psalm yeah, sing yeah, yeah. and sp kind of sparked from that several other psalm sings and, uh, you know, worship song sings were done around the country in different, uh, you know, city halls and different places. I remember seeing a video of one that I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was, it was, they're out in front of a city hall and there was a guy with a guitar and they were singing, um, they were singing, I don't remember which, which song it was, but it, a contemporary Christian song. And, and the, the ability for that music to make it feel like the, the legs of the people singing it were being strengthened. Their knees were firm. Yeah. And their 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 feet were trunks, yeah. and they were standing and proclaiming. Uh, it it was night and day difference. And when you looked at the video, and I was there at the psalm sing we did, but I, I looked at this video, I looked at the other one, and it was like there is a palpable difference in it in in what it the the kind of people it, it creates. Interesting. Um, the kind of the kind of uh, Christians, uh, not not in devotion to the Lord, but in ability to take a stand publicly. Um, our, our, our Sunday morning worship is training for then, it, it's, it's setting the tone for us as Christians to go into the world and, and be able to take a stand. Um, and, and so there's, there is a, 
there's a way of singing this older music that um, requires us to sing with vigorous voices, vigorous, robust singing um, that more contemporary music does not lend itself to. Usually the contemporary music is, there's a guy up front singing who's singing too high for, for you to sing along with, yeah, right? Yeah. There's the guy up front, he can do things you can't do. Um, whereas this music is meant to be sung full-throated, full-voiced. Um, you have your place amongst You've got the your body. place amongst the choir. You've got others who are singing your part with you, but all these parts are working together. But but even the 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 the... the you know what I would call the the vocalism or the 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 technique you're using to sing um, is different. It's it's robust. It's um, it's declamatory. It's uh, it's something that that uh, that resonates in whatever space you're in, whether that's in the church building or out in front of city hall. Um, and and it it is a sort of outward facing uh, rather than inward navel facing music right and so so one of the reasons why it's this music and not newer music is because because when we sing that music the way it's supposed to be sung the way it's naturally sung the way it was written to be sung it teaches us how to stand it teaches us how to face the world uh and it, it teaches us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Um, so all those things are happening um, without maybe all the church even rec- realizing that it's happening. And and sometimes I think newcomers um, can see, can get a glimpse of that. They, they won't know what's going on. Like, I don't know this song. I don't know what you guys are singing in like four different parts at different times and what's going on here. And yeah. uh, But they can recognize there's something about there's something different about and invigorating about this, and um, and they can they can get a sense of it even if they they can't quite put a finger on what it is, um, and and uh, you know some of that music is is uh, is even though it's hard harder for us to do without work, it's still um, it is appealing. It's it's like there's something going on here that um, I don't understand fully, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I like, I like what it does. And my kids are standing up straight and, you know, singing at the top of their lungs. And, you know, what is this? Um, so, yeah. One, one thing you were mentioning earlier about the expectation to sort of work at a task you wouldn't have thought, maybe. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been thinking about how um, there are certain facets where uh, in life where we think I do need to work at this. I'm really bad at this. And then other areas we don't. And some of those areas we don't, I was, are things like food. A lot of people think like being picky eater is like a personality type. And right. It's just like right. who I am. Yeah. When really it's just like you're, you have a very mature palate and you yeah. should kind of work at like gaining right. maturity in that. And you should, there are like really great things on the other side of that yes. work that you'll never get to, uh, to work at. And I've, and I, for myself, as one of those, growing up very picky eater mm-hmm. and thinking that was a personality trait. I think being here the last few years has been, music has been the same thing where it's like, oh, I just don't sing like that. That's not, that's not how I, right. well, it's not really true. That's that I've just chosen to like not participate. Right. And right. and not to like work at it and give it my best. 
right. kind of thing. Do you see that as well? I, I mean, like even in, I've spent years on this podcast trying to make people like poetry, <laughs> <clears throat> but that's another one where it's just like, well, you, you know, it, it takes effort. It, do you see that in other places? Do you see that kind of personality trait thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Part of that is, um, <clears throat> is our uh, assumption that music falls into aesthetics and aesthetics are yep. subjective yep. and, um, and personal taste, right? Yep. So you like this, I like that. It just, you know, it, it's just a matter of personal taste and there's no real ramification right. for it. Right. Um, but if music is, it actually does things to us when we sing, if it teaches us things, and if 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 God, you know, in a broader sense, if God knows what is truly beautiful, what, what God thinks is beautiful, yeah, is actually beautiful. That means beauty is not subjective. Right. Beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the creator. Yep. And there is an objective beauty. There is there are things that are objectively beautiful, just like they're objectively good or objectively true. Yep. And so, um, so if you have a con, if you have a a framework for understanding beauty as there there is objective beauty and there is there is objective things that are happening when we sing it's it's no longer a matter of taste right but right. we assume that it is so it, it, that's sort of the 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 air we breathe as a culture right totally um but i have i have noticed that uh uh you know the people who think they can't um you know, are carrying that assumption yeah. and then they, and then they, it's something that you can grow in yeah. and work at, you know? Um, and yeah, you, you know, parents know this, right? You, you don't, you don't accept that your kid just won't eat any vegetables, right? <laughs> you have to no, know, you're going to learn to like it. I learned to, I did. Learn I know. to like it just seems, you know, so out there after right. the age of 12. Right, right, exactly. Um, but it, it actually shouldn't be any different. And it, it, it actually happened to me too. Like I said, um, I love old choral music. Like that's my, that's sure. my day job, but I, I didn't do it at church and it was a, it was a bit of a culture shock. And I would say it took me a year until I really loved it. Okay. Like I loved it. And yeah. that's coming from me, sure. and so I can I can I can sympathize. Even you know, it, it must it can even be in a more uphill battle for some people. But um, it is also then like learning to like to love steak, yes. And then you have a processed turkey cold <laughs> hot dog, which you loved yes, as a kid. Right, you right. take it out of no, the fridge, that's very good. Eat it, and it'd be yeah. like, oh, this is great. And then your tastes change and you grow That's in good. them. Yep. Remember, our, our tastes are subjective. That's true. We have tastes. What Those, you're that's getting a subjective at, though, thing. I think, too, that maybe is lost in this conversation. There are times that I've had conversations about music with, with other guys from other churches that would be like, you know, it just doesn't, that doesn't work today. Right. Or something like that. But there's something about, um, like, proportionality, I suppose, in terms of maturity, I guess, where mm -hmm. we lose the aesthetics thing when it's just like, well, what are you going to say? Like this song that I'm playing for my three-year-old is ugly to God or God doesn't like it. It's like, well, no, no, no. Proportionately right. spot on. Right. But like, you know, a 58-year-old man, you know, who's swelling with emotion at the three-year-old song could be like, it's just immature or, you know, there's right. just, a, there's this, there is something wrong with that, but right. it's not necessarily... As easy as just saying, well, like, God doesn't like it. Well, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, I suppose. Yeah, it is. And, <clears throat> and our tastes 
should grow. We should grow. Right? But once you have a brat, there's no reason to go back to a hot dog. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, and you might you might still like the hot dog, right? right. You can it, that that might still have a, a soft spot in your heart. But but to, to remember the distinction between the objective beauty and the objective good of something and your taste, like yep. those are two different things. Yep. And so our tastes change, and we can like things that are bad for us. Sure. And not like things that are good for us. That's our taste, right? Yep. And so we actually want to be growing our tastes good. to love what is lovely and to approve what is good and to believe what is true, right? The, the, all those things should be uh, pushing into the, into the objective. Our subjective taste should be moving towards what the objective is. Um, and so music is, I mean, it's the same thing. We, we, we should be growing in our appreciation. And it really is the case where um, if you are new to our community and or new to this, you know, you, you maybe you went to a Fight, Laugh, Feast conference yeah. and it was just like, what is this? I've never done anything like this, but I like it. But how do I sure. yeah. get so, other people to like this too? Um, how do we do this? Um, remember that there there is a process of of growing in this and then once you have tasted of the fruit then you then you then it's like you want the good stuff you want the you want the rich yep. the mature meat you don't want the the baby food anymore yep. and um and so that that happens in our community as as people embrace it and it's it is a bit of a bit of trust sometimes it's like okay sure. everybody's doing this i don't know what's up with this but i'm going to I'm going to yeah. trust that there's a good reason for it here. And um, and then you start to see fruit. And then your heart learns to love it. And then you go back to something else. And it's like, this yes. This is just not yeah. the same. I started noticing every time I would go back home, it was a totally new slate of music. Right. That I'd never heard before. And I thought, man, I, I feel like... Whatever the I'm, latest... Uh, yeah, I felt like I was pretty well-versed. Yeah. Right, in CCM and... Going back, you know, I would slowly, I started falling out. But one, so one thing I wanted to ask, like, luckily for me being mm -hmm. here, uh, we have leadership and all kinds of people. There's enough momentum going that someone like me or a new person is not going to like put a spoke in the wheels or, right. or you know, like, right. and that's, and it's going to be like a kindness to us that sort of like our church body is doing this. We're going, um, what would you, so let's say somebody either heard this podcast or maybe they went to a Fight Life Feast, like you were saying, um, they don't have the momentum of their church going. Like, how would you, what do you recommend to them? Is it like Spotify playlists or what do you? Right. Well, and uh, a part of this conversation we didn't, didn't quite touch on, which ties in here is, um, is the, the importance of specifically singing psalms is yes. rather than than not that not that you cannot sing other songs in sure. church I, we, I don't hold that our church doesn't hold that but but if we are if we are not if we're neglecting this the 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 um songs that god gave his church to his people to yep. use for worship if we're neglecting that in favor of others if we're not if if the meat of the sandwich is not the psalms something's yeah. awry yep. and and i i think uh biblically minded churches who are who are immature in their um, thinking through music, right? Yep. Um, just sort of doing what churches do without thinking too much about it, um, will resonate with that. They will say, okay, Psalms, 
yes, we should be singing psalms. Why are we not singing more psalms? Um, That actually sparks uh, the question of, okay, well, when were they singing psalms? When did they actually put musical settings of the psalms that you read in your Bible? Well, it was it was back then. Sure, it was sure. in the 1500s, 1600s, right? right? A lot of those were done and, so, and, and others later too. But, um, but you really do have to reach back to find, to find the, um, the treasury that the church once had. Yep. It reminds me of, um, you know, the part in uh, Prince Caspian where, where the kids arrive back in Care Paravel, they don't recognize it. Um, at the beginning of the book and they're, yep. they're exploring and they go down into the, they kind of start figuring out what's going on and they, they go down into the treasure room down below and there's all this treasure that has been buried and forgotten and lost. And Narnia has no longer has a, you know, the, the kings and queens of Care Paravel and, and all, all of these things have been, they were once great treasures and, and uh, great helps to the kingdom are just forgotten about and, and dusty. Yeah. Right. And, um, and that, that book is bringing those things back out to light. Um, I think it was Lewis's Reformation book. And, uh, and that is really what, what part of what's going on here is that we are, we are trying to dig up the treasures that a church has forgotten. These, these Psalms, Psalm settings that, um, if you start singing the Psalms, specifically the Psalms and not shying away from any of the Psalms, but singing them. If they're in the Psalter, you sing them. It will change your church. It will, it will radically change your church because, um, it will, it will force you to sing the things God wants you to sing, which are not always the same as what most evangelical churches sing. Uh, it will, it will, it will force you to sing things that will make you grapple with issues, uh, that you would never encounter in CCM. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, so that, so, so the, the power of singing the Psalms is, is huge. The appeal of singing the Psalms should be a no brainer for a church that loves the Bible. Right. And wants to, wants to worship biblically. And that will naturally lead you back to this older style of music, which happens to, um, be, you know, force you to sing in such a way that, uh, grows you as a Christian too, right? So, so all these things come, yeah. the, the, all, the, all these points converge, right? Um, but uh, in, in singing, uh, you know, this older style, these, but these, these psalms, uh, if, if you can, if your church, your local church, you know, you went to Fight, Laugh, Feast, you sang psalms there, and you sang it in such a way where you could hear the, 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 music was being done by the people and you could hear each other singing. It was glorious. And you want to go back and do that at your church. Um, you know, what can you do? Well, the the Psalms and, you know, encouraging your church to sing the Psalms, that is one inroad that you can make. And, And that naturally leads you to, well, where, you know, how can we sing the Psalms? Where are our Psalm settings? And if, uh, that jump from contemporary Christian music to, you know, 16th century part singing is too big of a jump to, I mean, you just, you wouldn't be able to do it in one, in one step. Right. Um, I, I recommend highly, there's a, a, a band called brother down that has put a CD out of many of the Psalms, uh, the, the ones that are near and dear to 
the life of the church here at yeah, Christ Church, yeah. uh, set in a uh, maybe sort of like a, a folk rock uh, sort of contemporary setting. The same melodies, same uh, same psalms, um, but maybe more accessible or something that that um, you know a worship band or worship team might be able to use as a as a bridge um, to be able to introduce these things. Um, So uh, the the album is called, uh, I believe it's Old Paths, New Feet Yes. uh, by Brother Down. They're on Spotify, they're on YouTube. um, You can find them there. Um, That's a good bridge. That's a good, okay, we want to sing Psalms and and here's some older settings, but it's sort of accessible, accessible uh, settings of them. Um, but the other thing I encourage, uh, churches to do is, um, is whenever possible, uh, strip the instruments away, whether that's maybe we'll get a verse in a chorus acapella, you know, just voices only. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Just some, you know, (laughs) something where, where the church begins to, the sound system drops out. Um, and even if you can start dialing some of that back so people can hear each other better, reducing the number of instruments on stage. So there's, there's, there's more of that sense of, of congregational participation. Um, but, but if you give them glimpses of, of the congregation singing together where they can hear each other sing, um, that, will be, that will be its own argument. Uh, that will be its own little taste yep. of something that they will go... Yeah, that is that 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 totally changed everything in the room when we did that. Um, everything felt different. Why was that? And then you can start having the conversations, and then you can start doing more of that. Um, even simple things like um, even in your home, uh, you do a Bible study, pick a psalm to sing, uh, learn it yourself. Be able yep. to, you know, maybe 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 you don't feel like you've got the best voice, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna grow in this, and I'm going to try to help my church grow in this too. Uh, learn a psalm and learn that and, and be able to sing it really well, uh, you know, even in a small group in your home, in a Bible study or whatever, uh, where they, they start to see that um, that making music to the Lord is something that we do together and it's part of the life of the church. And, it, and, and it's something um, that uh, is, is our voices singing. It's, 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 it's something we participate in with our, with our voices. Um, everybody does it from the youngest to the oldest. Um, so if looking for those sort of opportunities, um, is really good. You know, not everybody listening to this podcast might be in a position to affect changes in their church along these lines, right? You might just be, I'm just a guy in my church. I, I would love to see robust singing in my church. Um, so the men sound like men and the women sound like women. And, and, um, I would love for that to, to happen. I don't know, you know, but I'm not in a official role. Um, there are, uh, there's a book that pastor Wilson wrote called church music and it's super short and every, every chapter is one page long of a very, (laughs) very small, like, like, I don't know, maybe, uh, yeah. It's an onslaught series, I think. Yeah. 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 It's like a little, you know, four by six yeah. book. It's just really small. And so it's a really quick read, but it sort of hits bullet point uh, some of the things I've been talking about and um, and might be a good thing to share, to read yourself and then to share, um, you know, with your pastor or with, with uh, elders or with uh, worship leaders um, to help the conversation. Um, 
but I would say, yeah, I, I mean, uh, psalm, psalm singing uh, is, is uh, calling attention to the fact that, that the modern evangelical church is, has largely neglected the psalms. Um, uh, there, it's interesting to me. There, there, you know, there uh, is a segment of the of the evangelical word world that has um, landed hard on expository preaching of the word. Like this is what we do. This is a this is a thing we we will not do without. And 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 like they've got that. Um, and but then the the music often will be. Um, if anything, it will be, we need to get words that are more meaty than, um, sure, you know, sure. the, 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 the standard fare, names, yeah. right? So, so they'll say, okay, we need to get meatier words. And so there's a level of thinking that's happened. They've taken, they've taken sort of a serious commitment to expository preaching and, and the centrality of the word in worship. And they've, they've moved some of that onto thinking about music, but they think they're thinking about it usually on that level of text and they haven't thought it down to the level of musically, what are we doing so that the hand fits in the glove so that those pieces fit together the right way. And, um, and so I think there is an opportunity in, especially those circles where, where it's, it's just pushing the reformation into every corner. It's getting, okay, it's, it's, it's here. Now we need to get it over, over here too. We need to, what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. And we need to, need to think about the music we're singing in the right categories as in biblical categories as well. Yeah. Looking at themselves as a maturing body. Right. Not just maturing themselves individually. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is a case in point, um, you know, you, you meant, you mentioned, you know, there's this there's this momentum here because they've been there's strong core. You know, yep. A lot of people have been doing this for a while, um, but you're you know, some people will ask what is going what's going on up in Moscow? What what is what's fueling this fire? Right? Um, and one of the one of the things is this um, this recovery of a of an older way of church music, doing church music that has invigorated the congregation in such a way, uh, that you, you, you know, you just don't see it everywhere and, um, has fostered, uh, boldness and community and warmth in a way, um, that, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's at, it's at the heart of it. Um, and so, so there, there will be fruit that comes from it, uh, you know, patient plowing in yep. this and growth in this, um, individuals challenging themselves to grow in their tastes, churches challenging themselves to grow. Music is not something, you know, it's not something you just sort of, like I said, go along with the flow. It's something we should be growing in and putting work into and maturing in. And, and it's like anything else. And you, you, you've been on the planet for a minute and you figure this out. The things that are easy are not always the best. The things that take work are the ones that have the reward, the richest rewards. And, um, and so your church will experience those rewards over time. Um, so stay at it. Yeah. You never want to be, <clears throat> it's almost, you know, like a 21 year old's very first, you know, dark beer and they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just don't want to be that guy about other good things. You know, yes. I always just think of like, man, no one would be like, oh, that's the kind of person I want to be. Right. Um, no, you'd want to encourage him to 
grow into it. Right. Um, Actually, that was my story. I, I, really? I like, didn't like beer. When I, yeah, <laughs> and then I was like, this is ridiculous. I, um, I'm missing out here. And so I learned, I learned to, and now, learned to like it. I, now, now it's like stouts. That's awesome. That's what I, you know, that's what I like. So, um, yeah, it's grow your taste, grow, grow in this. It's, uh, it, we can, we can, we can take ungodly and unbiblical assumptions about, um, about these things from the culture. And, uh, if we're, if we're about reformation and, and, full orbed reformation for the whole Christian life, all of Christ, for all of life, then uh, this is a stone you can't leave unturned. You can't just, you know, just make an assumption there and, and go with the flow. Awesome. Aaron, thanks for coming in, sir. My pleasure. Appreciate you.